I don't know if it's my age or the fact that I live and work in a house and don't really go out and meet people because most of my friends live over a thousand miles away. But I've been getting rather nostalgic lately for the old days. And it got me thinking, we haven't talked about nostalgia for a while. Let's do that on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, which I'm going to have to stop saying new book after a while, aren't I? It's been out for a little bit, but, you know, the other two are coming. One's already written. I just need to get around to editing it. So much going on. So yeah, so today we're going to be talking about nostalgia, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, I've heard this all before. You're going to be talking about how, no, that reboot or this reboot or that thing can't ruin your childhood. And no, that's not what I'm going to be talking about today. Not at all. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen the bigger the community. The bigger the community, the better chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And that is, after all, why I do this in the first place. So, nostalgia. We've talked about this a lot. Its origins, its history. How everybody and their cousin likes to talk about how this thing or that thing has ruined their childhood because of the reboot. But it also is a very powerful emotion. See, I think my current wave of nostalgia was set off by the fact that I finally got talked into watching Pose, and it's really good. I really like it. I might actually do an episode on it, but I'm I'm holding off on that. But there's something about watching this show, and no, I didn't grow up in New York City in the 1980s. I grew up in Maryland in the 90s. But it reminds me so much of my many homes that I've had over the years. You see, I'm one of those people that you might say is a member of many a subculture. I mean, we've talked about my LGBT status and all that on this podcast. I've done episodes about being a goth. Done quite a few episodes on fandom, so if you don't know that I'm part of that whole subculture, then, you know... You've not been paying attention. But back when I was in high school, I was in a clique, I guess you'd say. And we called ourselves the freaks because we were the people that just didn't fit in with anybody else. We were art kids and photography kids and, you know, dancers and what have you. We were all manner of misfit and freak. We had our punks, our goths, and pretty much everything in between. It was a fun time. And this is where nostalgia has been playing a very weird game in my head lately. Because I think I've been experiencing nostalgia much more from the point of view of 
the ancient Greeks who coined the term. You know, that melancholy, that connection, no matter how tenuous you have, to that lost world that you know you can never go back to. And I'm not just talking about the innocence of youth or how much fun you used to have before you had any real bills or responsibility and you could just goof off and hang out with your friends all the time. No, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the worlds I used to float around in, from the vampire LARPs that were so much fun, to the gay clubs that I used to frequent, to the goth bars that I used to love to go hang out at in and dance and do other terrible, unspeakable things. I've been thinking a lot about those old days, my old friends, the movies, the music, the way we used to dress, the way we used to talk. I can't tell you how much I'm missing the word Mary. People don't use it like they used to. It used to be, we used to use it all the time, and I don't know when it actually fell out of our lexicon, but it did. We all just collectively stopped using it and it went away. And it's not that I necessarily want to bring it back, it's just I realized I missed it. And that's the strange thing. Because those connections to those lost worlds, to those lost pasts, they have an effect on us, especially when we're creatives. Because everybody right now is very nostalgic for the 80s, and I can get that. I was a child in the 80s, and I have a lot of nostalgia. I'm kind of excited about Kevin Smith's upcoming He-Man thing. Can't wait to see what his take on Masters of the Universe is, especially when they're saying that it's going to pick up from the continuity of the original TV series, the Filmation TV series. So that'll be interesting. I'm curious how that's going to look and feel and how that's actually going to play out. But yeah, it's not just that. I find myself pondering the idea of maybe writing some stories set in the 90s. And now I finally understand why when I was a kid, all the movies and books and stuff that I read were set in the 70s and so on and so forth back. You hit that point in your life when you start thinking about all the crazy things you and your friends used to do. And as a writer, you start wondering whether or not you should start putting that down in fiction. Not the actual events, of course, because, well, when you get right down to it, they may be fun stories to tell in the evening with friends around, but they're not the kind of stories that get exciting and fun to read as a novel, unless, of course, you're into that sort of thing, and I'm not opposed to slice-of-life fiction, but it's not the sort of thing that I write. But as I'm thinking about all this, I start wondering, should that even be something that I, as a writer, should be thinking about? Should I be using this weird nostalgia that's been bubbling up in me? My memories of going to see the Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots in concert? The nights we used to have out at the graveyard? Should I be taking all of those ideas and trying to turn them into something to share to the world? Should I be part of the next wave of nostalgia when we switch from the 80s to the 90s? And that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode, because 
I was more interested in the fact that I was questioning the instinct. I was questioning the very notion of riding that nostalgia wave that I was having within myself, unprompted and unforced. I found myself wanting to listen to bands that I haven't listened to in a very long time and music I really haven't listened to since I was in high school. I'm just in that place where I'm just remembering things as they were. It might be because some of the last friends I'm still in touch with from high school are not doing very well right now, and I'm thinking about all the good times we used to have with each other and wishing I was closer so I could help out. But yeah, the fact that I questioned my motives, that is interesting now, isn't it? Why would I question this? And when I realized what it was, oh, I, I, I have to say, I felt not dirty per se, but oh, like such a bad stereotype of the person that I am. You see, I was questioning whether or not I should be exploring my, my nostalgia for the 90s. Because it felt like an overly commercial idea. It felt like I was caving to some pressure out there in the market to do a certain kind of fiction. Well, I don't know of a lot of 90s fiction coming out right now. I mean, there may be some. I'm not saying that there's not. There always has been. But that very part of me that likes to rebel, that likes to not just follow trends and do what I want to do and follow my heart made me sit back and question whether the feelings that I'm having, whether the heart that I'm actually wanting to follow is actually some kind of weird money-grubbing move to capitalize on a nostalgic wave that isn't actually happening right now. But, you know, if I get in now and start writing, maybe by the time I have something done, it would be. Maybe I could ride that crest. We sabotage ourselves in strange ways as creatives, don't we? It's funny. It's almost like I don't want to make money. Like, there's a part of me that thinks... Well, I know for a fact. There's a part of me that thinks that every time I make money off of a story, I'm selling out in some way. Because, well, that's one of the many cultures that I grew up in. That you give your art away. That anytime you try to make money or commercialize off of it, You've sold your soul to the man. And as we know, I would never do that. It's an interesting problem. What should we do about it? So, the very idea of taking some time to write something set in the 90s, or maybe even while I'm working on that rework of the chain, maybe changing its setting so that it actually takes place in the 90s instead of the 2000s, the early 2000s when it actually did, I find myself questioning these urges. Why would I want to be writing about stuff taking place in the 90s other than some crass urge to make money? Well, maybe part of it is that whole, you know, write what you know thing. I know a lot about the gothic subculture, at least in Maryland in that period of time, because I was part of it. I know about the gay subculture in Maryland at the time because I was part of it. 
I know what it felt like to be a drag queen on the street in the 90s. I do... As I thought about myself then, a cross-dresser who sometimes wore a skirt to the mall, ooh, just to shock all those old ladies doing their exercises. Yeah, I was a bit in the closet even to myself back then, but, you know, we live and we learn. But yeah, the very notion that I would keep myself from actually exploring these feelings, these thoughts, these memories, these worlds that I remember in a fictitious sort of way. I'm not talking about writing memoir. I'm talking about just writing fiction. Wouldn't it be fun to write a story about what if Harry Potter went to the mall? That was actually one of the ideas I had, like a Harry Potter style mall rats. What would that look like? Can you imagine Ron and Draco hanging out in the food court and all the shenanigans that they would get into? That's a very different type of story now, isn't it? And it does sound a bit fun, doesn't it? And I'm sure if I don't write it, one of you will. And even if I do write it, maybe I inspired one of you and one of you will. But that sounds like a fun story. It's strange. It's bizarre. It's not anything that I've ever read before. And I would enjoy reading that. But is that just me giving into some weird, dark sentimentality? Or worse, some desire to be commercially viable as an artist? I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I contemplate it, the more I kind of feel like I'm just trying to find my stories. And I think for most of us, our stories are actually rooted in some kind of nostalgia, even if we don't recognize it at the time, even if we don't admit it. I know a lot of people, like myself, probably write fantasy because we're trying to get back to some feeling that we had the first time we watched Dragon Slayer or read a Tolkien novel. Or for me, David Eddings, he was the first fantasy writer that I ever read. Get back to that feeling the first time you ever went to Earthsea with Ursula K. Le Guin. We're chasing those ghosts. We're chasing those spirits. We're running on pure nostalgia all the time, and we don't realize it. We don't realize that those feelings within us that connect us to the music that we love. I mean, why am I so into Crobot, for example? Well, they sound like a mashup between a band from the 1970s and a band from the 1990s, and I grew up listening to music from the 1970s and the 1990s. They just kind of skip that hair metal period in the middle. But they have elements of the events that took place on the other two sides. Now, is that crass of me to want to do that? Is that me not loving them because of who they are, but because they remind me of times I spent in the back of my sister's green charger riding around in the Tennessee countryside? No, it has nothing to do with that. It may invoke those feelings. But nostalgia is really so much more than just the crass product placement that modern media makes it out to be. I mean, yeah, it's nice to see, oh yeah, I remember the Ghostbusters, do you remember that? But we've talked about this before, that nostalgia is so much more than that. I really do think it's the dragon that we creatives chase our entire lives. We're trying to craft that story, that book, that piece of art 
that moves us like those ones that moved us when we first decided and realized that this was what we were wanting to do. I've been trying to capture the joy of reading Dragon Song over and over again throughout my life, and whether or not I'll ever achieve that, I don't know. I do know that I'm not going to stop trying to get there just because I've realized what it is. It's not crass commercialism, and it's not some kind of simpering sentimentality that makes me write the fiction that I do. For goodness sakes, anybody who's read Crucify My Love would know that that is hardly a sentimental story. But there is a lot of sentimentality in there, from the music that inspired it, be it from X Japan, or the songs of Christian death and Sisters of Mercy and the marching violence and Joy Division that you can almost hear in the background as a soundtrack to that song. The moment when Shinobu realizes that he's in love. I actually had in the back of my head Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division going in there so strongly that I just put the song on and wrote to it. Yeah, there's nostalgia in all of that work. And I think it's infusing most of the work that I do. And when I think about the work that my friends do and the lives that I know that they have, I think it's in there too. But it's not what Hollywood makes of nostalgia. It's that real kind. That It's that time when you try to go home again. I'm creating an elaborate fantasy world and trying to live in it because... I remember the joy of finding those worlds for the first time, reading the Shannara books and the books by Tolkien, and seeing this vast mythology stretch out in front of me, and wanting to write that too. That's the homeland I'm trying to get back to. And I think that's the one advantage that we as writers have, or creatives of any stripe for that matter. When you realize that you're actually tracing some kind of an imagined world, some nostalgic feeling that was invoked in you when you first watched the Transformers or Robotech or whatever it is that inspired you, the first time you read The Vampire Lestat or The Queen of the Damned, you know what you're trying to do, you know what you're trying to capture, and it's not just writing a pale imitation of that thing. It's trying to do what Led Zeppelin and many of the other bands of the 70s did after they read Tolkien for the first time and set it to music. We're trying to write our own Stairway to Heaven. We're trying to write our own masterpiece that will revive in us that feeling that we had when we read those other books and hopefully inspire that feeling in others. And that's the great challenge of art, isn't it? The feelings that we have for that lost country that we know we can never go back to. We rebuild it in our dreams, and we tell them as stories, and we put them out in the world for other people to experience and hope that they find a home there too. That in this constant homemaking that we are part of, we're really trying to loop other people into our nostalgic dreams of worlds that never were, even though we remember them so fondly. 
I remember having a conversation once with somebody about MMOs and the memories that we create in them, and I came to this place in the discussion where I realized, even though I'm not the character that's on the screen and I didn't actually do the acts that they did, I just hit keys that made an avatar do them, those memories are no less valid than I have of LARPing as a vampire, or just putting on a beautiful dress and going to dance at a ball when I was younger. They're all valid memories. They're all lost worlds that I can never return to. But I can in my fiction. And I hope that's what you're doing too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a moment to rate this episode or the podcast in general, and whatever app you're listening to me on, it really does help out a lot. If you have any money you would like to pass my way, you know, a dollar or something, it really does help out a lot. In the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the Community Support tab. The difference between the two is the people on Patreon, they occasionally get stuff. If you don't have any money or you don't feel like giving right now, that's fine. But if you know somebody that you think might like this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out a bunch, too. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes you'll find a link to our voice message system. Really, keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. Or you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. I'm C.E. Dorset on both. You can find a link to everything that I do over at ProjectShadow.com which is probably going to be getting a bit of a facelift soon. started doing some artwork today, thinking of bringing the Facebook group back. Not that it ever really went away, it's just... Uh, it's been hard for me to figure out what to do over there. But I have an idea, and I don't know how well it'll work, but I might give it a try. So keep your eyes open for that. <laughs> Until next time... Don't forget to have the fun. Bye.